feel like we should have known this already Were we even taught this at all? Everybody, this is Maddie, and welcome to Will be a, Will This Be on the Test? I'm Austin. I switched around the order of things, keeping Austin on his toes. And you made me sound like an idiot. <laughs> uh, we're here today to talk about some things we should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And class dismissed. Oh, darn it, I've mixed everything up too. <laughs> Uh, It's been a long couple of weeks, just, you know, those weeks where everything feels busy all the time. Mm -hmm. But I did just learn something interesting. The song Cotton Eye Joe, which Austin hates with a fiery passion. He's going to feel bad about that in a second. Um, It started as a slave song. It has been around since the 1800s. And it was a song that they would play to kind of like chill to and dance to. There is some debate over what Cotton Eye Joe means. Um, it could be one of the theories is that it's the dark skin contrasting with the whites of the eyes. Some people think it's because of somebody who went blind and has the white eyes. Um, but it was a slave song that turned into an American folk song that eventually got remade by Rednecks, the band. And apparently in the 90s, a Swedish band, I think it was Swedish, remixed it into a techno pop song. Yes, I have heard it so many times. Yes, but its history is kind of interesting. Its history is interesting. That doesn't mean I have to enjoy it. I didn't say you have to enjoy the song. I'm just yeah. saying you got to respect the song now. I have, I respect no song. Uh, we've also been watching Old Enough. This show is so cute. It's a bunch of kids in Japan. I think the oldest one was six being sent on their first ever errands. Some of them were under three and they were just like killing it for the most part. Yeah. I was like, I don't, like, there was one kid they gave these errands to. I'm like, dude, that is too much for me, and I'm 36. But we were looking at the years. We we're like, these kids are adults now half the time. Yeah. It's weird. It's like, for some weird reason, this didn't run a lot of errands in, like, after 2019. Didn't see any from 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they did some cool stuff. Like, they don't allow street parking to speak of in Japan, so you can see people. And also, the kids either carry a flag or raise their hand to make themselves bigger as they cross the street, which I'm like, if we're so paranoid about kids crossing the street here, why don't we do these things? I mean, it's not going to stop them. I mean, Karen don't see you even if you're like a grown ass adult in a car. Yeah. You need a giant flag here because of how big these SUVs are. Mm -hmm. But still, I'm like, that's a good idea. If we're going to be the level of paranoid we are about everything, this one at least seems like a reasonable solution. As opposed to worrying about things like, there's a zip tie on my mirror, which has been repeatedly disproven. No one wants to traffic yeah, you. Yeah, no one, no one believes there's a zip tie on your mirror. Trafficking is primarily done by family members. Yeah. Or close friends. Or significant others. Or, if you're in Alabama, all three at the same time. <laughs> so who goes first this week? I'm going to go first because I didn't do one last week. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. So, since I'm doing one, guess what? What? It's science time. Okay. But with a twist. A twist. Because I love the wild things we used to use to try and explain the world around us. I mean, I have mentioned the writings of Pliny the Elder in roughly half of my episodes. Pliny the Elder is the source of all knowledge, and I refuse to believe that talismans filled with testicles will not help me. Yeah, Pliny is easily my favorite historical figure of all time. Mm -hmm. So 
it's probably a surprise that it's taken me this long, like over two years to get to this week's topic. Alchemy. 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 I've mentioned it in a few episodes, but I've never talked about anything with it in depth. Uh-huh. And, well, because we all kind of know the stories around alchemy. Like, there's there are madmen trying to turn lead into gold. They were looking for the philosopher's stone, or the sorcerer's stone, if you're in America. Which is funny, because we all would have understood the concept as soon as they mentioned it. We don't need to know, like... It was ridiculous. And also, Nicholas Hamel apparently did find it, apparently did live for a very long Ooh. time. Like, that's the, you know, legend. Yeah. You know, about finding the secret to immortality and life. Um, I feel like the worst people in the world have all found that already. And, somewhat by accident, making a bunch of discoveries that would lead to, like, you know, modern chemistry. Yeah, they don't get the credit they deserve. We kind of look at it as, ooh, magic, witchcraft, Merlin, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, really, they made a lot of discoveries. Like... No. There's no way we'd be where we are if these dudes hadn't been like, ah, let's find the secret of life. And some of them, oh, you might talk about it. I'm sorry. I really like yeah, this Yeah, it's topic. okay. It's it's fine. I'm used to it. I'm letting you go. And I, f- yeah. I will add stuff if I feel like it wasn't in there. And of course, you know, as they were doing this, we're, there were a ton of accidental poisonings and fires. Yes. They worked with mercury a lot. Yeah, they did. But these were hundreds of years ago, so we can kind of joke about these poisonings and fires. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get some people who mess- message us. It's too soon. Actually, that might be true, because what if there is some immortal uh, alchemist that's listening to our podcast who actually did find the Philosopher's Stone? Like Nicolas Cage the Vampire? And he's, like, super mad that we're making fun of his friends for what they did. And, you know, in that case, I am very sorry, immortal Nicolas alchemist. Nicolas Cage the Vampire? He's not going to listen to our podcast. He's too busy making amazing movies about himself. Okay, kind of. seriously, guys, uh, the unbearable... The, the unbearable weight of massive talent. So good. And I mean that like in a legitimate, non-ironic way. Wonderful, funny. Just... I finally understand the whole, you know, Oscar winner Nicolas Cage thing. And that's all I'll say on yep. it. Yep. So I guess the real Philosopher's Stone is the jokes we made along the way. Or it's a real Philosopher's yep. Stone. Uh, by the way, this topic, at least the way I'm covering it, doesn't really lend itself to linear storytelling. So I'm just going to jump around a lot and just talk about things. Okay, please don't do that because it'll get picked up by the mic. I'm hopping. I'm hopping. It's like we're on wooden floors. It'd be very loud. Yep. Not wooden. This is laminate. But it looks wooden because we're good. Yep. So we're going to start with etymology. Uh, We don't know the exact origin of the word alchemy. Uh, There's, it most likely takes its roots back in the Egyptian word chem. Uh, literally the black soil of the Nile, or Earth. Because the Egyptians had a fairly advanced understanding of chemistry, which they used in their embalming rituals. Uh, Then, as the Arabic influence and Muslim influence spread across North Africa, uh, it kind of morphed into alchemia, meaning the Egyptian thing. (laughs) Meaning the Egyptian thing? I'm I'm paraphrasing. Okay. (laughs) And then... I like this version, though. And then, you know, after... The Umayyad Caliphate conquered Spain in 711. Uh, alchemy, as it turned into, as it kind of got Europeanized, uh, spread from Spain into the rest of Europe. Uh, this is an- actually another topic that we never learn about in American schools, is that Spain was conquered by North African Muslims and they held power there for centuries. Yeah, it's actually really interesting how much of Europe was run by Africa for yeah. a long time. Yeah, and... Like, you can actually see this influence in their architecture, and especially in their cuisine, because they use spices in their food in Spain. England. I don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. 
They must not have taken Sweden either. No. Their primary uh, seasoning is lye? Uh, the primary seasoning is butter. Lye is what we use to preserve our fish. Uh, you can taste the lye pretty strongly. It's real bad. Uh, if you ever have a chance to eat lutefisk, I would recommend not. Yeah, I feel the same way about pickled herring. Austin loves it, though. Yeah. Another thought is that alchemy is actually Greek, and it gets its word from the Greek kumos, meaning fluid. But there isn't a lot of evidence to back that up. The Greeks did kind of have their own like understanding of alchemy and like how it related to elements that they spread around. But we also know that they borrowed heavily from Egypt's homework. Uh, it is also worth noting that China and India also had their own brands of alchemy. Uh, they were developed independently and both were trying to find the secrets to eternal life. And they actually had their own significant discoveries, like the discovery of gunpowder and um, identifying metals based on flame color. So they had their own discoveries. But we're just going to be t- we're talking about Europe because there's a lot written on it. It was easy research and lots of stupid stuff happened. I feel like we can laugh about Okay. Uh, yeah. But in Europe, the belief that all metals were a mixture of sulfur and mercury in varying proportions and that gold was the perfect metal was kind of the key idea. And that you could turn lesser metals into gold if you found the perfect formula and the philosopher's stone. They had some other beliefs like that metal had that all metals had genders. Okay. So like, you know, you can't teach alchemy in Florida. <laughs> And they were alive. Isn't there a school in Florida, though, that's just defaulted to they? I think there is. Or at least they were threatening to. Yeah. Uh, that, And of course, that all metals would eventually die. And when they died, they turned into other things. Kind of like how, like, you know, when an iron tool dies, it turns into rust. You know, I get where they're coming from. Yeah. And remember how a long time people thought that health and sickness were managed by the four humors? Yeah, which are not the same thing as that group of redneck guys with Jeff Foxworthy and all that. Yeah, Uh, that was also uh, an alchemical thought. That's like, oh yeah, the full four humors. Like something in your body is causing your health. They just didn't figure out what it was. But the idea of like, yeah, there's something inside you that's wrong. So let's take it out. Like your phlegm and your like bile, blood. They were all fluids. Oh yeah. And but as modern people, we know all of this stuff is wrong. Like- the four elements thing, not real. Metals are actually their own separate elements caused by, like, you know, how many protons are in the nucleus and how they interact with each other. So we, we know that that's wrong. Wait, are you telling me my doctor has been bleeding me for no reason? Yes, those those leeches? I don't know what the deal with that is. Actually, they still do that. Yeah. That's a like real for a thing. part of, like, limb reattachment and frostbite treatment. I don't remember. I think it's used for a variety of things. It's been proven to be actually more successful than a lot of modern technology. Ooh. Kind but of, of like course, hand soap, more effective. But than- in this case, it's for real reasons, not just because you have ghosts in your blood. But I do have ghosts in my blood. Want to do some cocaine about it? That's illegal. It is very illegal. You and also, not- Novocaine and Lidocaine don't work on me. I'd be afraid of what would happen if I tried to do cocaine. Yeah. So yeah, but this is the crazy thing about all this alchemy stuff. Even though the entire goal of alchemy was impossible, and just like, you know, in the face of scientific understanding and how the universe works... Uh, a lot of important discoveries were made by alchemists trying to turn stuff into gold. And they clearly don't understand that if there's more gold, the gold loses its value. Yeah. Uh, ec- They're trying to increase inflation. Uh, ec- economics wasn't invented until Ronald Reagan perfected it in the 80s. We were joking about me running for president. And I was like, one of the questions they'll ask me is, do you really think a theater teacher could be president? And I would just be like, Ronald Reagan. 
he was an actor. He didn't even learn how to teach it. Yeah. So, like, we actually learned a lot from these alchemists because even though they're doing something crazy, they went about it in kind of a scientific way. Uh, they took notes, measured things exactly as they could, and then they recorded their results. Because if they wanted to find the Philosopher's Stone and have a way to reliably turn st- lead into gold, they would need to have their exact measurements, their exact process, and all of the steps they took written down and go through it systemically trying to figure out the exact steps to do this and be able to replicate it. See, in the whole time they were missing the most obvious one, turning straw into gold on your spindle. <gasps> oh, we're going to get to that. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but we're going to get to that. I don't think you're joking. <laughs> I thought I was making a joke that wouldn't possibly come up. And of course, while they're doing these experimentations, they discovered all sorts of other things. Like, now, not all of these experiments actually had any results. Uh, There was a very prevalent quasi-religious aspect to alchemy. Like, a bunch of things about dealing with witches and demons became a part of alchemy. And that might have just been made up by the church or exaggerated by the church. So these alchemists are saying, oh man, they're hunting these alchemists who are trying to turn land to gold, but they tr- they're trucking with demons and witches. Obviously, I want to turn stuff into gold. I need to learn about demons and witches. <laughs> and so it kind of, it, but you know, like all of this stuff became a major part of how alchemy was viewed and practiced in Europe. So like, there was a lot of stuff that's just nonsense. It's entertaining nonsense, but it's nonsense. Yeah, and that kind of bled into the Americas with the... Uh, women who would like create herbal remedies and stuff yeah. and they'd be called witches yeah it's like all and this stuff like obviously like you know if you leave this under a rooster during the flight of a full moon and then you spill its blood onto a potato it's not going to turn into gold it's not going to turn into gold but it might release the evil spirits that have yeah. you under control but why how are you getting the rooster to stay put roosters just like to like walk around uh the alchemists also discovered glue so and of course a lot of these written records were in code because you didn't want people stealing your formula and making their own gold. So a lot of these records that we found are useless because, like, again, they're in code or there's things that are metaphorical or there's just, like, stuff like things that just don't make any sense that would have made sense to the re- to the person who wrote it as a reminder. So you're telling me I have a mystery to solve. Yeah, there's lots of... The- these are some pretty unsolvable mysteries. Um, uh, Austin, for my birthday, got me one of those red string boards... I think I can solve these mysteries. I can crack these codes. Yeah. Like, but, you know, they did make some discoveries. Like, uh, in metallurgy, their experiments with mercury led to the discovery of mercury amalgams, which are a way of combining a lot of metals, not all of them, but some of them, into an alloy without using an extreme heat. Unfortunately, it did not lead to the discovery that mercury will kill you. Yeah. We actually still use mercury amalgams in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Like... I, ironically, they use it in gold refining to get gold out of ore. <laughs> and of course, they use them in uh, dentistry, like the metal fillings are mercury amalgams. And as far as we can tell, those are actually safe. Yeah, although it's, they don't typically use those at all anymore. They tend to use the white ones, unless your insurance won't cover it. Yeah, they, they are still in use. Um, in Europe, you can't use them in kids anymore. But it's just, as far as we can tell, there's so little mercury in there, it like leaches out so very slowly, and it's not an organic mercury, so it's not really building up in your body. Metal fillings made with mercury are safe. You know what else mercury is not in? What? Vaccines. It is not. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, and funny, while we're talking about like you know them using mercury for gold refining, they actually, alchemists used gold a lot mm-hmm. trying to find things. Like, the very scientific thought they had was you needed some seed gold to be able to make more gold. Kind of like how when you're planting a, a field full of wheat, 
you do some wheat to grow a lot more wheat. Okay. I see how they got there. And they actually did one thing with mercury and gold, which was called the alchemist's tree. Uh, they would use a chemical reaction that would create a crystal structure out of gold and mercury that kind of looked like a tree. And so they thought, oh, cool, we're on the way to discovering how life is made in the secret of immortality because we just made a kind of rudimentary tree. Obviously, this is a step along the way. But in reality, though, it's not how trees are made. It's what mercury does with metals. It kind of like gets in between like the crystal structure that makes it metals because there's a crystal structure in metals. Mm -hmm. And it breaks it apart and it causes it to do all sorts of weird and wacky things. Yeah. And this was kind of like a process they discovered on their way to making these metal amalgams. And I know I've talked about mercury before, but man, this metal is weird. Like, you know, I was talking about how it breaks apart metals. Well, a common problem when mercury is like, say, for instance, applied to the metal around the ankles of, I don't know, a statue of a Confederate general, um, it actually slowly breaks apart the metal and there's not much they can do to fix it. So if you've got a, uh, if you bought a house and you've got this, pesky metal statue of a confederate general just in your yard and you don't know what to do with it if you put some mercury around the ankles of this statue that you own uh, you can destroy it that way at the same time though it might have a time capsule in it because they found two in that one yeah. and i would be afraid of ruining that because that is actual history as opposed to a statue of a dude yep so yeah uh but luckily for us because i've already talked about mercury a lot not all alchemy involved mercury. Some of it involved urine. Yes. A lot of urine. Actually, we still use urea in a lot of cosmetic yeah. products, which is basically pee. Uh, specifically, uh, 1,200 gallons of human urine. Mm -hmm. A German alchemist, Henning Brand, boiled down urine over the course of days until it became a tar-like substance. Mm -hmm. uh, the smell was horrific. Yes, and if any of this comes out of you when you're trying to pee, go to the doctor. Yeah. Uh, his recipe called for a good large quantity of new-made urine of beer drinkers and evaporate it gently to the consistency of honey. Where did he get all this urine? He's, he was in Germany. There was a lot of beer drinkers. But where is he getting the urine? <laughs> Probably like chamber pots. Would they like bring him to them to him? I mean, if you're in a city, like you got to get rid of your pee somehow. I think there are people that actually go around and collect it. He might have made a deal. To, like collect people's chamber pots to get urine. Now, I should also mention this, that when he was boiling down all of this urine and like drying it out, he was doing it in his basement of his own house with a newborn child upstairs. Just think about all the ammonia. Is that ammonia that's in urine? There's lots of stuff in urine. Yes, I know there's a lot of yeah. stuff in, in urine, but is it ammonia? That's why you can't mix it with bleach? Yes. Also, so I don't know why you're mixing bleach with your pee, but don't do that. So then he'd take this condensed Europe and he'd put it into his furnace <laughs> and make it get as hot as he possibly could. And when he did that, a white substance would begin to condense, condense out of a white vapor that was given off. And when the substance was gathered, it emitted a soft light. And he named this thing that he found after this, uh, the Latin word for white, for light that he found it. It was phosphorus. I'm sad that he didn't name it after his child. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is Stephen. Stephen. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Henning thought he was close to discovering the secret of the Philosopher's Stone because he found this stuff that came from people and life, and it glowed like the sun. It was actually just kind of a faint greenish glow. But yeah, he was he. But eventually, he just shared his discovery when he couldn't make the end of the Philosopher's Stone, and within about fifty years of it of his discovery, it was being produced all over the place 
and sold at apothecaries and chemists. And basically it was kind of like how right now, um, oh God, what's like the miracle cure that people are trying to use for everything right now? The horse dewormer? Horse dewormer. It was kind of like that. Or like when people were using radiation or electricity to treat things. It's like, oh, this stuff glows. Uh, Yeah, it's medicine. Eat it. I was just listening to a podcast where they were talking about being in a cave and there were like glowworms on the ceiling, which are, I guess, phosphorescent. And they were like, okay, when you look up, don't open your mouth in awe because there is liquid falling. That is not water. That is their pee. That's disgusting. (laughs) And so it was... Here's a question. Was this amazing miracle drug that people were taking safe? No. Wait, is is phosphorescent the right word for like when there's like swamp gases? Yeah. So there so this is will-o'-wisps. Kind of. Like it's there is some phosphorus in this, but this is a very condensed phosphorus. Well no, will-o'-wisps are like orbs that are hanging out above swamps and people follow them thinking they're fairies or something, and then yeah. they die. Yeah. So was phosphorus safe? No, it was not safe. So I should stop eating it. Phosphorus is very flammable. Me too. And when it burns, it sticks to things. Me too. So if it gets on human skin, it is disastrous. Me too. Like burning your skin off to the bone disastrous. That's why I'm not allowed to touch people. And of course, when you produce it by distilling it in a furnace at extreme heats, you have a potential for all sorts of disastrous fires, which there were lots of disastrous fires making phosphorus. Wait, okay. The green stuff in Game of Thrones. That's... What are the chances that that was either phosphorus or based on the idea of phosphorus? It glowed, it was green, and it lit everything on fire. I think it was just a fantasy thing that George R.R. Martin wanted to have. I don't know. He based a lot of things in that in like actual concepts or actual historical figures. Not that I'm talking about that today. So, uh, which, you know, it's again, it's highly flammable, which is why we carpet bomb cities with it during wars. Yeah. Uh, And also, exposure to it can lead to all sorts of health problems, ranging from cancer to something called fossy jaw, which has nothing to do with fossy, fossy, fossy. Birdcage reference. Yeah. You know, um, when I talked about the radium girl, that thing that they thought they had where their bones and their jaw were starting to crumble? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that was from, they thought that was because of exposure to phosphorus, which that is a real thing that happens with overexposure to phosphorus. But luckily, in modern times, we do still use phosphorus for lots of things like explosives and fertilizer, but we no longer get it from urine. Uh, we either get it from bones or we get it from minerals. In the- you know, I was, I'm in a Facebook group about things that people find around their house and they're asking what this is. And one of them, they had like a drawer pull or something that was glowing. That's probably radium. Yeah. And that's what they were saying. It's like, that's radiation of some kind and they're like you're probably safe but you also mentioned you have kids who are at about that height yeah they're gonna look that and that's gonna be bad. like that's what they're saying it's like your kid might lick it so we would recommend you give it to a local college they're like yeah. if it was just adults it would be nothing to worry about yeah. but with kids that are at the licking age <laughs> i was never a big licker Ugh. so yeah this like discovery is phosphorus was partly like an extension of when we discovered how to distill alcohol. Because a lot of European alchemists uh, made their discoveries by distilling things, which, like, the process for distilling phosphorus is not that hugely different from distilling, you know, liquor. And it's like, they use this process to find things like sulfuric acid, nitric acid, hydrochloric acid, lots of acids. And it was kind of following this logic of, well, we were able to make a stronger alcohol by boiling beer, 
and other, a, a weak alcohol, maybe we can do that with other things. We can boil off it and make it more concentrated and make a new thing. And of course, you know, while they were refining this process and blowing things up and burning places down while they refined it, uh, they eventually uh, made some innovations with it and even like made discoveries for distilling. So uh, when you sit down and have your gin, thank an alchemist. I will. Yep. There um, are normal gin and tonics, and then there's the Maddie gin and tonic. Which is? Gin, splash of tonic, and five limes. Yep. All right, all right. Here is one final alchemist, Johann Friedrich Boltiger. Uh, he was a 19-year-old German alchemist who claimed he had turned base metals into gold in 1704. He had not. But that did not stop the local nobility from imprisoning him until he was able to produce gold for them. For them. Now, I know this sounds a bit like Rumpelstiltskin, but from what I've researched, apparently imprisoning alchemists who said they could turn stuff into gold and forcing them to make gold for you was not unusual. Did they get the supplies or they were just like magically make the gold? It's like, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna like, we're gonna treat you pretty nice, but you can't leave. He was like, yeah, whatever you need, you better make us gold or we're gonna be real mad. Um, he did not make gold, but his minders coerced him into helping replicate porcelain. Huh which was a closely guarded secret kept by the Chinese who invented it. And after a few years, he actually managed to replicate the process used to make fine ceramics, which was valuable and in a way kind of like making. So they they let him off the hook and said, congratulations, you've invented this. You've you've recreated this thing. We're going to make so much money. So yeah. Did, Did they make so much money? They made so much money. So yeah. There we go. Obviously, ceramics are an important part of our day-to-day life. Uh, we have, a, like, for example, we have a plethora of coffee mugs with amusing phrases and pictures on them. We have a plethora of dolls that I've been making TikTok videos about because one of them is haunted. So, yeah, um, thank alchemists for your coffee mug and our haunted dolls. Yep, TikTok on the test pod. You can see I am going to be doing experiments on this doll to try to figure out what the substance is. Just like an alchemist. Yeah, I mean, okay, when I was a kid, I pretty much wanted to be an alchemist. Uh, I always said I wanted to be a scientist, but I wanted to be an alchemist because I mixed random things together to see what would happen. And my mom asked what kind of scientist I wanted to be. I was like, the kind who blows things up. Yeah. (laughs) That's a normal eight-year-old answer, right? Yeah, perfectly normal. Every eight-year-old wants to explode a thing. So yeah, that was my quick and dirty rundown of alchemy. A thing that was not at all science, but kind of science adjacent. Well, like, like very, like, roughly adjacent. It was in the same neighborhood as science. I mean, okay, they just did things methodically and wrote most of it down, and some of it was legible. So, pretty close. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we do owe them a lot of credit for discoveries, important industry, and science that we were able to build on and improve once we had a better understanding of the world of us. And that's not nothing. So, are you ready for questions? I am. All right. Will boiling a thousand gallons of urine in your basement be on the test? Yes. Will Rumpelstiltskin being just a little bit nonfiction be on the test? No. Wait, what happened to his kid? The the guy who boiled urine? Yeah. I'm assuming the kid was fine. They didn't mention any, like, tragic child deaths from phosphorus I'm not thinking death. I'm thinking, like, brain damage from breathing in all of that. No idea. I mean, this was hundreds of years ago. I don't think they really kept that close a watch on things. Mm. Or Uh, it's all in his encoded notes. Yeah. Will the fact that Spain was conquered by North African Muslims in the 8th century be on the test? Yes. I remember actually hearing something about that. At some and will the fact that alchemists recorded their experiments and tried to replicate them in a scientific-ish manner be on the test? Yes. Yeah. So that is alchemy. All right. Uh, kind of, 
the pseudoscience that was kind of pseudoscientific. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't consider it a pseudoscience. They like, they legitimately thought what they were doing was science, uh, which I know a lot of pseudoscience people do, but they had processes in place. They had to replicate the stuff. This is, this is science that just didn't turn out to be incredibly correct, which yeah. still happens today. Like that's why guys, that's why doctors give you new information sometimes. What? That is why we have since learned that if you got your MMR vaccine before a certain year, you should probably get another one. You learn things, even as scientists. Wow. So amazing. And I really can't remember what I was going to say about alchemists at the beginning. Oh, no. I don't think you addressed whatever it was, but I don't remember what it was now. That's okay. Well, I'm sure it'll come to you in the middle of your segment, and it'll just derail everything. All right. You ready for me? I'm ready. So today, I'm talking about... Saint Olga of Kiev. Now, I'm not sure if they pronounced it Kiev or Kiev. Um, it is spelled like Kiev, which is the Russian spelling of it. Um, and this version of Kiev was in Ukraine, Russia, and two other countries. Probably Belarus and Belarus and one Moldova? other. Moldova? No, I didn't say okay. Moldova. Um, because Kiev wasn't exactly a country. It was a loose connection of tribes, but I'll get, in, get into that more. So St. Olga of Kiev, I'm just going to go with that pronunciation. Uh, if you learned about her, chances are you went to Christian school or Bible study on Sundays. Um, and chances are you're Catholic or Russian Orthodox. Um, and you learned about how she spread Christianity through Russia and Eastern Europe, and she fought against the persecution of Christians. She is the patron saint of widows and converts. This is the first I've heard of her, I think. You'll know pretty quickly. Okay. So this doesn't sound like a normal topic I'd be covering. No, she it does not. She kind of boring, right? Yeah. She's Daenerys fucking Targaryen. Dragons? Dragons? Kind of. Ooh. This person... This woman was unquestionably, in no possible way, not the inspiration for Daenerys Targaryen. Did I look into him saying this? No. I just read all about her, and this is Daenerys. You know, I know uh, George R. R. Martin is a like has studied a lot of history. I almost guarantee you that this is Daenerys. Now, my disclaimer, as with many things from a long-ass time ago, be skeptical about parts of the story. The official, uh, the official accounts of her life were written a hundred years after her death, but there were contemporary accounts that said she did, in fact, exist, and she did, in fact, have a lot of power. They just didn't go into a lot of details like the one from a hundred years later did, and the one from a hundred years later was very Christian-centric. But it didn't. It also made things a little darker, which is, Ooh. it's a weird combo. That said, I kind of believe all of it, partially because I want to, and partially because I get it. Now, we aren't sure when she was born. Most places say between 890 and 925, but other places say that's pushing it because she might have been born later. Because when she got married, she was n probably no older than 15. Um... So she got, she was born in, I don't know how to pronounce any Russian words, Piskov, a city in what is now Russia. She was Varangian, which means she was Swedish and born of Vikings. Swedish people stereotypically look like me, Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah. Uh, the Vangarians ru ruled Kivian Rus, which was not a country. 
it was a political organization filled of different tribes, so it was actually very hard to leave, lead them. The people in charge were the Vikings, who basically went down the river and said, I own you, and I own you, and I own you, and if you resist, I'm enslaving you. And so that's what happened. They, yeah. uh, a bunch of tribes either started giving them tributes or they became slaves. She married Prince Igor. I always want to pronounce Igor because Igor. of um, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Uh, Prince Igor the First of Kiev at no older than 14, which would have been around 19, 941 or 942. If she is no older than 15, that kind of makes one, uh, 925 pushing it. And when I mean no older than 15, I really do mean no older than 15. And they pretty quickly had a son named Svatoslav. <laughs> he, become, he does become important. He's also a dick. Now, Igor was a cruel ruler. You kind of had to be if you wanted your group to be safe, your country to be safe, and to keep getting your tributes from the different tribes. So we've got this young girl married off to a very cruel ruler at the age of 15 or younger. The Drevlians, which was a tribe, joined them to fight the Byzantine Empire and then began paying them tribute. But when Igor ascended to the throne, they were like, nah, and started giving money to a warlord instead. Now, Igor did not like this. So he decided to head out to Iskorosten, and yes, I know I'm mispronouncing things, uh, which was their capital to get them to give him tribute. His army was a lot bigger, and the Drevlins were like, oh shit, and they paid him. Now, some say, though, that the Drevlins were paying him, but they weren't paying him enough. And the group that he was going around with was like, look, the other groups that are going around collecting the tributes are getting way more money than we are. And I think they got a cut of the money, so they were complaining about it. So they went to the Drevlins, they got paid, they turned, and they left. And Igor was like, you know what? Fuck this. And brought a small group back with him to ask for more money. Small group. Oh, he got, he got murdered. He got cocky. And the Drevlins were like, cool. Where's the rest of your army? And he's like, oh, you know, they're on their way to collect other tributes. Cool. <laughs> so they may or may not have tortured him including potentially tying him to two trees and doing the thing where they let the trees go and rip him in half. That also <laughs> might be an exaggeration to, because at around the same time, a similar thing was happening somewhere else. But no matter what, the Drevlians yeeted him out of existence. <laughs> I, just I know it's a horrific thing to witness, but like the, the thought of like two, like, it's just a funny image in my head. And it had... You're picturing the, it as a cartoon, though, I'm assuming. It had the cartoon noise. The mm -hmm. wang. So now we have Princess Olga. She has a three-year-old, and she is 18 at the very oldest. Her three-year-old is a boy, and therefore heir to the throne, but is not old enough to rule. So she Daenerys Targaryened this situation and ascended to the throne in the place of her toddler, likely saying all men must die, but we are not men. <laughs> the Drevlins were like, okay, fuck this. They probably don't have a real leader now. Like she's just a woman. So they sent 20 men to come to her and be like, hey, we need you to marry our prince, Prince Mal, who murdered the fuck out of your husband. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I'm okay with this, but you know, my people really won't be, especially with the state that you guys are in and how demanding you kind of are right now. So I need you to get back on your boat and kind of sail out a little bit, dress up, look really nice, come back tomorrow, and I need you to come back and say, we won't ride on horses nor go on foot, carry us in our boat. Like it's a pangolin. 
like carry us mm-hmm. on the boat. And they were like, bet. So they went back. They got all cleaned up. They dressed up. They came back. They said those words. And the people of Kiev were also like, bet. <laughs> and picked up the boat. The Drevlians are like sweet and they're thinking they're getting this big honor and they're being carried to the person who is going to marry their their king and then all of a sudden the boat topples over now this must be an accident i mean it's heavy people are oh nope they went down into a trench that she had had dug that night all 20 men and legend has it that she bent down next to it and said i hope you find this honor to your taste as the people of kiev buried them alive <laughs> Okay, yeah, this is Daenerys. Like, like, maybe she's exaggerating a little bit. No, you're not exaggerating Mm-mm. at all. Mm-mm. And a lot of historians believe, at the very least, this story is true. Um, there are some questions about the other one because it was only a two-day ride to the Drevlians. But who the fuck is going to go tell them? They just watched her bury them alive. They're not going to be like, oh, we should go warn them to not do this again. No, they're not going to do Who is going to do that? Yeah. And then she waited. So the Drevlians were like, hmm, she didn't come back. And the guys didn't come back. Let's send some more people. So a couple days later, they send some more people. And at this time, she, of course, has made a plan because she assumes they're coming back to do this again. And they co- they show up and they're like, hey, you're going to marry our prince. And she's like, you guys look so gross. <laughs> like, you're all dirty and shit. And you came here to greet me. I am a fucking princess. Now, I will talk to you, but you need to go get cleaned first. All right. As you're, I think it's just the voice you're doing, but I am picturing her as Mindy Kaling. <laughs> I knowing she looks nothing like I that. I can't do a very good Daenerys, I don't think. I haven't watched the show in a while. I probably could if I had watched it recently. Yeah. So go take a bath. We've, we're getting them drawn for you right now. And then come back. So they went to the bathhouse. And this is, you know, this area. So these were saunas. They were really nice. They, are, they all go in there. They all start taking a bath. She, and it might have actually been her, goes up locks the door on the outside and lights it on fire and burned all of them alive. Literally a page out of the Daenerys playbook from just wait, just fucking wait. Just you. wait. And also remember she's a saint. She's a legitimate (gasps) bona fide saint. Keep that in the back of your brain while we're going through all this. And then she's like, I'm not waiting again. I'm kind of done with this. Like, I don't like them coming to my town. So she sent a message to the Drevlian saying she accepted the proposal, but she needed to be allowed to appropriately grieve first. So they needed to prepare a funeral feast in their town with a lot of mead. She really wanted mead. And she needed to be able to weep over the tomb of her husband's the need to make a tomb. And they're like, oh, that seems reasonable. And we're not going to wonder about why these guys didn't come back. So they prepared this massive feast. She did go and actually weep over the grave of her husband. And then she throws the funeral feast and her ladies-in-waiting are going around and serving all the mead. Uh, She, and it was her ladies-in-waiting, she had a small group of guys with her. But it was predominantly her ladies-in-waiting. They're going around, they're serving the mead, they wait for the Drevlians to get drunk. And then they red-wedding them. Yes! (laughs) They're standing behind them. And they all pull out their knives and slit the guy's throats, including Olga. She was up and doing this her damn self, slitting these guys' throats because they were drunk and didn't expect the women to do anything. They legit thought she was there to marry their prince Mal, and this was just the funeral feast for her dead husband before she did that. (laughs) They red weddinged them. Which I know is not a Daenerys part of that story, but if he's pulling other stuff from Olga. Oh, yeah. Now, 
there is a there are mixed reports that she continued this outside. That's what she brought the guards for and may have killed up to 5,000 people that night. <laughs> so the Drefflians were like, uh, fuck this and declared war. Since she was a woman, though, she actually could not lead the military. So she had to have her young son start this. I don't know exactly how old he is at this point. There are mixed, mixed reports because this could have been over a series of years. This could have been in a short time. She put him on a horse with a spear and the, all he had to do was throw the spear. He was not a good shot and kind of like landed two feet away. And she's like, all right, go back inside. I'm taking care of this. <laughs> and she led her army into war. It last, they sieged the Drevlians for a solid year. And then finally, she's like, okay, guys, this is stupid. Why have you not surrendered every other town of yours? And it was just the capital that was left. All of your towns have surrendered. You have no one to lead. Why haven't you surrendered? And they were like, we're afraid you're going to murder us. So we kind of need to keep fighting because we're pretty sure you're going to murder all of us like you've murdered everyone else. <laughs> and she was like, I'm bored of murdering people. I'm not going to murder anybody else. I have one tribute I ask for before we end all of this. This is um, this is my what I want as your peace offering. And she's like, I just want some pigeons and some sparrows. One or three from each of your houses. I was not able to find exactly how many that was. And they're like, really? That, that's all you want right now? Yeah, just some pigeons and some sparrows from your houses to show me that your houses are united underneath me now. They're like, okay, that's... That seems more than reasonable. We'll, we'll do that. And she's like, great. Um, so she was staying like she was right outside the Drevlian area. And they brought her the birds. And that night, she either tied pieces of wood to the birds or pieces of sulfur to the birds. I'm not, I've gotten, I've seen both. Now part of me is wondering if it was phosphorus. <laughs> she lit it on fire and released the birds. Now, as you talked about in the pigeons episode, they will go home. Apparently sparrows do too. They all flew back to their nest. And the entire city burned to the ground all at once because she hit, because they were from every one of the houses. Actually, I don't think she literally meant every house, but now I'm kind of wondering. Um, every house and building burned down simultaneously. They had no way of stopping this fire. She lit the entire city on fire and they couldn't do anything all right so like i understand in game of thrones dragons are big and scary but i honestly think a like a swarm flock of flaming birds a little bit scarier well um spoiler for game of thrones even though it's a couple years old isn't that pretty much what she does yeah it kind of is uh daenerys i remember and i even said i told you before it happened i'm like the most logical thing right now to, is to burn down the whole city yeah and you're like she's not gonna do that i'm like she's gonna do it she's she's gonna do it. Because she's Queen fucking Olga. She's a saint. Which, by the way, this makes um, her votive candles that much funnier. Because she lit lots of things. Oh, fire. yeah. Um, now, people who were able to run away. Because there are people running. Three things happened. They were killed on sight. They became slaves. Or they were left behind to rebuild the city and pay tribute to her. <laughs> and so she got like... 20,000 times the tribute she would normally get because they had to pay tribute and rebuild the city kind of in the way she wanted them to build it. <laughs> I have a lot of uh, mean girl respect for her. And also clearly she was like, you killed my husband. This is not okay with me. You left my three-year-old in charge. Have you ever had a three-year-old in charge? He's over here slamming his head on the floor because he's not getting his juice when he wants it. It's like, I, I am 
18 at the oldest. I have to be in charge now? He's three years old. At best, I can send him on a simple errand. Like, and chances are she was younger, and chances are this marriage was not fully her choice. But apparently she grew to like him enough to kill thousands of people in revenge for his potential torture and definite death. Would you would you go on a revenge spree for me if I was killed by a rival kingdom? I would not involve birds. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. That is completely fair. And she uh, continued to not be a kind ruler to them. <laughs> she returned to Kivian Roost, Roost and kept ruling. Men continued to propose to her, and she was like, fuck off. Uh, she enacted the first legal reform in Eastern Europe, like ever, which changed how the tribute system worked, but I was not able to figure it out. And I was like reading sites in different languages and stuff, like trying to figure out what exactly she changed, and I couldn't figure it out. I think tributes involved parties now. That's all I could figure. Um, <laughs> she was part of the, the committee to plan parties. Yes. Okay, you know, you're comparing her to Daenerys, but she has become... Angela? Uh, Kelly Kapoor. Kelly Kapoor. <laughs> I think it's just your voice. It's the voice you're using. She created trading posts, hunting grounds, boundary posts, towns. She centralized the state rule and set up for potential unification of all of the people, in part because of Christianity. The trading posts and hunting areas are still there. Did I mention yet that she is the first female ruler in Russian history? No, you did not. Yeah, she's the first female ruler in Russian history. She slaughtered a bunch of people and then built the area so that it was actually functional and <laughs> unified the people. Then uh, came the siege of Kiev in 968, at which point her son was an adult. She was no longer in power. Um, and actually, I think it was before this, he had been, he'd actually like literally stripped her of her power. And he was off fighting in the First Bulgarian War or something. Well, Kiev was not doing well because there was like the army was gone because they were off fighting in some other place. They were actually starting to have famine. So Olga was like, okay, fuck this. I'm here alone with my grandsons now. I have no power to do anything. So she needed to tell this guy, uh, Pritik, who was Sviatoslav's general. And she said, if you do not solve this problem within 24 hours, we are surrendering Keith. She's like, I am going to surrender if you do not take out these dudes in 24 hours. He's like, shit, I'm going to be in so much trouble if she does. So he goes, he's like, all right, I'm going to evacuate Olga and her grandsons. But instead of sneaking around to do this, because they were kind of stuck behind an army that was on a river. Oh, and the way she got to him was by sending a child over who spoke the language of the people uh, who the the Pechenegs who were there, she found a child who spoke their language, uh, who was going through the camp looking through for a lost horse after swimming through the river to get to them. But then they saw him running past them and they tried to kill him. He <laughs> did, he obviously did not die because he got this message to Petrick. Um, and instead of sneaking around, uh, Pretik decided let's go straight down the river with our biggest boats and play trumpets the whole time. And so they're doing that and the people of Kiev begin cheering and Olga shows up on the shores to meet them and the Pechenegs think this means Sviatoslav is back and they go, oh shit, and run. <laughs> so Kiev did not have to be given over because Olga and this pretik guy were smart enough to figure out a solution. So how is she a saint? She yeah, has literally like very gruesomely murdered thousands of people in some extremely creative ways. Yes. 
All because they did one wrong, well, two, because she was like, they're like, now you get to marry our prince. And I think that's probably what set her off more than anything else is like, I am not property. You can't rule over me. And also my son is the rightful heir, but I'm going to do this now. So there are four phases toward becoming a saint in the Roman Catholic Church. She is, in fact, a Roman Catholic saint in addition to a Russian Orthodox saint and a four or five other churches saint. Um, The first step is to be named a servant of God. This is when they're accepted for consideration for sainthood in the basically the Vatican's like, yeah, yeah, they seem like this could be a good good candidate. (laughs) And then they are named venerable if they have attempted to live a sin-free life. Now, they didn't actually have to be sin-free, but they have to have made a solid attempt at being a good, godly person. It's like, uh, it's like, I tried. I mean, there were a lot of murders in the Old Testament, so we're going yeah. off of that. Uh, and then if they pass that level, they become blessed, which means they have to perform at least one, or they have to perform one verified miracle. I don't see anything miraculous so far. Yeah. And then you become a saint if you performed at least two verified miracles. So um, when you're blessed, that's the beatification process starting. <laughs> uh, and they actually take this super seriously. Like, movies make us think that the Vatican is like, oh, we'll immediately send an exorcist over. No, they send doctors and scientists. They make sure that there's no logical reason. They text your ass for mold. They put you in medical care. They put you under psychiatric care. They do the same thing with sainthood, except the person's dead. Um, so they go to all the documents. They verify that all the stuff that they exist, that there are no con- no contradicting reports that can be verified or uh, and they make sure that the miracles were real the scientists and doctors do not have to be catholic they can be they just have to be the top of their field and if they can find any way the miracle was performed without it being a miracle they're out of the running um then we also have these things that they need to be able to do incorruptibility which means that their body doesn't decay or liquefaction of the blood which means on their feast days their blood goes back to being liquid and they kind of bleed all over the place. Or the odor of sanctity, which means they don't smell like decomp, they smell like flowers. (laughs) In the 950s, this is after she's murdered all these people probably, she went to Constantinople to see Constantine VII. Like the people of her area, at some point she was pagan. Now there are conflicting beliefs on whether or not she was pagan when she went to visit Constantine. Or if she'd already converted to Christianity because you there was a Christian church in her area, you were legally allowed to be Christians. She did not have, it was not a theocracy. Um, being, converting to Christianity did make you the source of mockery and people didn't have to be nice to you, but you were allowed to convert. She is largely believed to have gone to Constantinople because Constantine was like, I want to marry her so we can combine our powers. And she was like, fuck you. <laughs> so she went there. And he was like talking to her and he was really impressed by how composed and smart she was. And he was like, you know, I feel like you'd be a really good person to reign alongside me, but I can't marry you because you're a pagan and not Christian. And she goes, okay, well, if you want me to be baptized Christian, I need you to do it yourself. Oh no. Does she murder him? She murders him. This sounds like the setup to one of her murders. No. Oh. So he was like, oh, okay, that was easy. So I just need to be the one to baptize her. So he baptizes her. And now she's a Christian. And he's like, all right, we can get married now, right? And she goes, well, the Bible says that you can't marry the person who baptized you because they're your godfather and therefore technically your father. So that makes me your daughter and I can't marry you. <laughs> and he was like, shit. You got That me. is absolutely correct. 
So he gave her a lot of shit and sent her home and referred to her as his daughter from then on. (laughs) Now, some historians think that this is all untrue because he was already married at the time. I feel like that was probably not a big deal. But this, I love it because I feel like this was a trick to get Constantine to leave her alone. And she and to kind of she saw Christianity as an opportunity to unify rather than something she truly believed in. And a lot of historians believe this. She also attempted when she came back to convert her son, who refused. He was like, no, if you convert, you're like the subject of mockery around here. I'm not converting. I'm not converting. I'm not converting. And she's like, okay. And later on, the people who write about this were like, it's because he was stupid and a bad person. He didn't want to learn new things. It's like, that's uh, not how this works. I got to wake up and dress nice on Sunday mornings. That's the weekend. One of my favorite things about my dad is he came downstairs for church once and he did not want to go. So he's wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt that are spattered with paint and a baseball cap. And mom was like, you are not wearing that to church. She's like, I think God cares if I show up more than what, I, more than what I'm dressed as. And she was like, so then her next step was, if you convert, your followers will convert. And that's a good thing because they'll all worship the same God. And he was like, no, they won't. But he did finally agree to at least not allow the persecution of Christians. So that was a good first step. Yeah. Then she was like, hey, Holy Roman Emperor Otto I, I need a bishop and a priest here in Kiev. He took two years to send somebody there. This is important because that gave Sverdoflav, her son, time to be like, no, we're not doing this. So a bloodless coup occurred against him, against the people who showed up, and paganism won. Like, they didn't kill the priest or the bishop, they just sent them packing. We've changed our minds about this. You can go home. Um, And then her son, like I said, is kind of a douche, um, wanted to move the capital to Periaslavets on the Danube, where most of his riches were. His silks, his Mm. gold, his alchemists, I assume. Um, She was like, I'm literally dying. You can see me wasting away. Because she was. And you're just going to ditch me? I raised you. If it wasn't for me, you would not be in charge. I killed all these people for you. And you're just gonna... I unified your tribes under Christianity, because she did. Um, You're just gonna ditch me? Really? Did did it for you, Damien. It's all for For you, you. Damien. Um, And he's like, I'll stay. And she's like, and you need to stay through my burial. And I want the last rites done by a priest. I want nothing pagan. And I don't want a feast. And he's like, all right. She died three days later, and he actually did follow those wishes. And he and his sons very performatively grieved for her before heading off to their new capital. Still, why is she a saint? Yeah. Um, she actually did unify a lot of the tribes and by converting them to Christianity, because it is a lot easier to rule a group of tribes who believe in different gods if they all start believing in the same god. That said, she did not convert the capital of Kivian Rus. Her son, her grandson, Vladimir, did. Uh, after his dad died and he took over, he was like, all right, let's go take care of this. Because he actually bought into all of that. Um, and a big part of this was that she converted from paganism while she was the ruler. She was the highest ruling person to have done that. It was very public and it actually did get some people to convert. I'm not saying no one Kivian Rus was didn't convert. They also love to say she was the first one to convert. Yeah, there was already a church there. (laughs) She was not the first one to convert. She never claimed to be the first one to convert. Supposedly, she spent the rest of her life after murdering the fuck out of everybody, trying to do good works. 
And she did do a lot of good shit. Like she created these trading posts and hunting grounds and went around being like, hey guys, let's unify and do some good shit together. Uh, Supposedly, her body did not decompose. But the way to check this was to walk up to her tomb. Now remember, tombs are places where people mummify. And if you were a true believer, the tomb would have a little opening open up for you. And you could look inside and see her undecomposed, uh, incorrupted body. If you were not a true believer, it would close. And you couldn't look at her body. So that would be considered her miracle. (laughs) My miracle is that I can turn invisible when nobody's looking at me. (laughs) Exactly. Remember how I said that last night? Oh my god, I'm getting an ins- I'm getting a look into how your brain works and I'm terrified. It's amazing and this story is amazing. But the thing is to be a saint in the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, you have to perform two miracles. And having your body be incorrigible, I not incorrigible. <laughs> You're incorrigible. <laughs> Incorrupted. Incorruptible? I'm sorry. Does this mean that you think the fact that she murdered a lot of people was just kind of encourageable? It's like, you scam. I said incorrigible, which means the opposite of encourageable. I don't think the lack of decomposition is considered to be one of their miracles, because one of the things with the miracles is they have to be spontaneous and instant. Like, healing the sick, you have to be like, and you're better now. And they have to be better immediately. It can't be that you gave them medicines over a long time and they got better. That's not a miracle. That's just science. And that's actually why they bring in doctors. Even for people who've been dead a long time, they like review what happened to see if there was any other way that they did this. And especially now, they look at it and try to find other ways that they did this. I am not sure what her other miracle was supposed to be. Just like I am not sure what a lot of other people's miracles were supposed to be. And I'm not sure what Mother Teresa's miracles were supposed to be, but I also know that she never turned good. She did some really horrible things. Um, And she's considered Saint Olga of Kiev equal to the apostles. And her baptismal name was Helena, but they call her Olga. About 600 years after she died, she became a saint in the Russian Orthodox Church and then several other churches. Again, one of the rules of the Roman Catholic Church is you cannot have been named a saint before they do it. If you've been named a saint by another church, you can't be a Roman Catholic saint. I'm thinking that Olga haunts the shit out of people who won't give her what she wants to this day. I feel like it's like, okay, we could give her we could give her what she wants, or she can burn our town and salt the earth. Let's just go ahead and make her a saint on the saints to be on the Yeah, like side. prove to me this woman is not a ghost telling people what to do. Yeah. And uh that might include a certain current leader of Ukraine, if you ask me. Ooh. She is the patron saint of widows and converts, which I assume means that you're supposed to kill a bunch of people if you're widowed. And honestly, not totally against it. Olga basically was a huge badass, even if a tiny bit of this was true. Her son might have actually been an idiot, like they were saying, because he didn't understand her reasoning behind things. But her grandson, Vladimir, was like, uh, yeah, this makes perfect sense. So it was all good. And that is how this part of you know, the pre-USSR, pre-modern Russian world was unified because she got mad that her husband got killed and so she Daenerys targaryen the fuck out of them. And that is St. Olga of Kiev. So much murder! Okay, like, usually when we have mass murders on an episode, it's, it's a sad thing, but this was fun. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm not, and he and I were talking about this the other day, I'm not cool with mass murdering civilians. Like, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, no, not yeah. okay. But... In this case, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Um, Are you ready for your questions? I am ready for my questions. Someone who unquestionably influenced the character of Daenerys Targaryen was later sainted. 
Yeah, that'll be on the test. Her sainthood likely stemmed from a fake conversion she used to unify her country. <gasps> Depends on it's like if it's a if it's a public school, yeah, that'll be on the test. If it's a if it's a Christian school, no. She buried 20 men alive all at once. Yeah, that'll absolutely be on the test. She was an active fighter on the field. Yeah. And if you ask me, there's a reasonable chance the current leader of the Ukraine of Ukraine is a reincarnation of her. Eh, He's maybe. not murdering the shit out of everybody, but he is on the field. He is fighting. He is an active leader. I don't know. Her proposed beliefs didn't uh, include reincarnation, so I'm going to say that won't be on the test. Like, either that or maybe she's, his, her ghost is telling him what yeah. to do. Maybe. She's like, no, you can't run. I'm not saying he ever wanted to, but she's like, no, you're staying here and you're fighting for your people. I did that a long time ago and it was a lot harder for me because I did not have guns. I just had to slit their throats. And I did. Which, by the way, um, I think the book about her should be, yeah, she really did just bury 20 dudes alive in a boat. The end. The end. Yeah, so I found her and I was like, Austin, I've never been this this excited for a piece. Yeah. Like, there are lots of pieces that I personally care more about. Like, episode one is still one of my favorites. If you are a new listener, we apologize for the school bell at the beginning of our early episodes, but we were still learning. That said, our episode one, where I cover Clara Looper and he covers Pliny the Elder, I think to this day is my favorite episode, but I've never been this excited to cover an individual before, except for maybe... I, Thomas Jefferson with his ma- with his uh, mastodons mastodon obsession comes close. <laughs> so, anything to add before we do our sign offs? I don't think so. Yeah, today was a roller coaster, it man. It was. Um, where can people find us? Well, they can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the test pod on Twitter at on the test pod. Unless Elon Musk buys it, then we will not be. On he t- already bought it. Oh, he did. Yeah, he bought it earlier this week. Oh, gross. Is it is it gone through yet? I mean, the purchase is done. Oh, gross! Yeah, if you're on, if we're on Twitter, we're at on the test pod. We're on Instagram at on the test pod. On TikTok, uh, we are on the test pod. Yeah, and we have our website on the test And I've been doing a lot of work on the website. Stuff is not posted yet, um, so I'm going to be doing it kind of just all at once to make my life easier. Uh, so the transcripts are coming back, but still, the easiest way to reach us is probably via Twitter DM if you want to talk to us or just message us in twi- on Twitter. Yep. Please, 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 please go rate us and review us. It would be a huge help. Uh, one of our ratings disappeared, like I like I mentioned, and it makes me really sad to see that we have a four point eight rating. So we would really like to get oh. that five back because we are awesome. And also, they didn't even leave a review; they just left a rating. I'm like, jerk. Tell okay. I don't believe in like leaving a rating and then being like, "This is what you did wrong." It's kind of like when you have a performance review and they didn't tell you anything ahead of time that you could improve. Um, like I don't, I've never given a podcast less than five stars. So go give us five stars. Sneak onto your parents' iPhones. Give us five stars because they 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 won't. They won't. Um, tell people about us. Uh, send them to listen to us. We are on episode like. God, 130, I think, something around there. It's like 117, um, 118. I and I can't imagine that there's not a topic someone, like, there are no topics that someone will be interested in. We've covered the gamut, history, modern, science, psychology. Uh, we did math once. I got really excited about triangles. Yeah. I, it was Austin's topic, but I'm like, I love triangles. They've got multiple centers, and I still don't understand how that works. Is that true of the triangles that are, like, the equal sides? I don't know. I need to go look this up. I, so. I like I I don't I don't know math. Math is not part of math is a part of my daily life, but actually doing math is not a part of my daily life. So you're not constantly doing geometry? 
I'm not constantly doing geometry. I don't understand what your job is. Then I need to go find out. So on that note, class class dismissed. dismissed.